No Truck Stops, a Pack 12 podcast. I'm Carlos. Joining me uh, live is Avery at Brave Grapes. I'm never going to another football game again. Greg at Bananamorphs. Uh, yesterday was bad. I didn't like it. Angry Boy Matthew Hubertson at No Pit Stops. I had something fun to say here, but it's been 15 minutes and I forgot. <laughs> and for the last time, read at Pack 10 Read. So that wasn't your house the whole time, Carlos? <laughs> yeah, the illusion's fucking gone now. You lied to. I mean, I think everyone knew I was using a green screen, but uh, but yeah, OBS virtual camera absolutely taking a huge shit today. <laughs> My God. Uh, and I was spent. We spent an extra. I spent an extra ten minutes trying to figure it out. Super fucking annoying. Very cool. Uh, anyway, shout out to those of you joining us live on YouTube. Like the video. Send us in your comments and thoughts and subscribe to the channel. Podcast listeners, thank you for tuning in once again. You won't notice my green screen, thank God. Uh, be sure to follow the show and rate us five stars on Apple and Spotify. If you like the show and want to show us some support, that is literally the easiest, most free thing you could do. So go do us a favor and do that. Uh, also, basketball season. It's on now, officially, fully in swing Why? on Wednesday at 5 p.m. On Wednesday Ooh, at 5 p.m. You, Pacific, Matt. we are we are playing we are watching watching and talking about basketball. We're going to recap the entire week's worth of Pac-12 games on YouTube and drop the episode on podcast feeds uh, at Thursday morning. Last thing, we have bonus Patreon content as we always do on NoTruckStops.com for just five dollars. We'll be previewing a massive Week 12 slate over there. We'll be talking about USC Oregon. Uh, sorry, USC Oregon. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> Very cool stuff. <laughs> uh, UW-Oregon State, Utah, and Arizona, and a generational mid-off between UCLA and USC. We'll talk about the entire slate. All that over on NoTruckStops.com for $5. Anyway, that's it. Let's stop talking. Let's stop dilly-dallying. Let's have a nice little dip here. Uh, let's move on to po- talk some Pac-12 football, starting with another thrilling Washington win, this time over Utah in Seattle. Uh, Reed, take us away. Washington faced another test taking uh, on Utah in Seattle. Despite heavy wins at kickoff, both offenses started rolling in the mid-first quarter, scoring on eight straight possessions uh, to give Utah a 28-24 lead going into the break. For a moment, it appeared an upset was brewing, but the script quickly flipped in the second half, and UW stepped up to suffocate the Bryson Bards-led offense. Down 33-28, Utah would put together their only positive offensive drive of the half, reaching the UW 14. Then Barnes would throw his closest thing to a touchdown pass when he hit defender Alfonso Tupatala. Tupatala would return it 76 of the 77 available yards, but drop the ball at the one a la Kalen Clay. Utah recovered, then immediately got stuffed for a safety. <laughs> Bled out the rest of the way, and we now live in a world with 10 and 0 UW. God help us all. <laughs> I'm going to fucking kill you, Matt. What? I'm going to kill you. Uh, no one else is noticing this, but Matt is he's banging his desk and putting shit on there. <laughs> Gonna kill you. Um, yeah, great, fantastic game. There it is. UW advances to 10 and 0 now after a tough win over Utah. Let's uh let's talk about the Huskies. Greg, what did you think of Washington's performance? I thought it was fine. I thought UW okay. played a fine game. But okay. my takeaways for this were probably just more negative because of the standard that UW is at. You know, they're the number five team in the country, and we see them as contenders. 
Uh, Matt, it's starting to bother me now, too. God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing it. I'm just I muted him. I muted him. No, I'm done. I'm done. That's going to be such a pain in the ass to edit. I'm going to fucking destroy him. Anyway, anyway. Uh, yeah, because of the standard that UW is at, to me, this was a more negative performance because I think they should have won that game by a lot more. I don't think it should have been as close as it was, and it was a very close game. Um, maybe should have been a 10-point win instead of a 7-point win because of that block field goal at the end, but like Michael Penix did not have his best game. I think we saw him struggling under pressure frequently there. Obviously, there were some plays where he got out of pressure and he made a great play, but I think you showed Utah showed in that game that if you get to Penix, he's not the same player. Uh, the defense was just torched in the first half by by Bryson Barnes. Bryson Barnes looked like a different player playing against that defense, which is just that's embarrassing. I'm not saying that this is like a USC level defense because a USC level defense would have let him continue to do that for two halves instead yeah, of just one. First first half was USC level defense. But that defense first half sure. was USC level defense. I still think that the defense for UW is a massive liability because when you play a team that doesn't have a big farmer at quarterback in a big game, they're going to take advantage of you. I I don't know, like good on good on UW because they got the win. Like, you know, they didn't drop a game to a worse team like so many Pac-12 playoff hopefuls have done in the past, and that's something that they have. Not a lot of Pac-12 teams have gotten to 10-0. So very impressive on that front. They keep winning. I just, it, it, I see an end to the road at this point, and that end could even be next week. Avery, what do you think? You agree. You are uh, unimpressed with Washington's performance. You feel like you feel a little weird after it, or are you feeling good? You feel like they won the game? They won a game against a good team? That's all you need. I, I don't feel weird about it because they almost lost to Arizona State. Like, there's nothing worse than almost losing to Arizona State at home. Like, I already feel this way about UW, where obviously their defense is a liability. Um, it was a really great environment. I was there. It was fucking cold, but it's always fun to be at Husky Stadium because the fans are really great. And honestly, that sequence with the almost pick six, but then the fumble and then the fumble recovery and the safety was probably like the most electric I've ever felt in a stadium atmosphere. It was just nobody knew what was going on. It was incredible. Um, but yeah, like I feel the same about UW simply because they've been playing like ugly against worse teams for weeks now like obviously the usc win was a bounce back but considering how bad usc has been it wasn't the most impressive win so i think them just coming away with the win and not dropping one against utah is like the biggest thing here yeah matthew Burton, you feel the same way about washington like it's a win win or you of the of the mind with greg that yeah, they didn't look great. It's a little weird. Feeling still feeling weird about them. Look, the 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 Bryson let Bryson Barnes cook and was actually able to cook thing is definitely a concern. But like, I I don't know. Bryson Barnes was fucking actually good in the first half. Like, I, he, that was legitimately <laughs> a different guy that we have not seen. He was on time in his throws. He was dropping absolute dimes. Like there was there was legitimate like rhythm to what Utah was doing offensively. Um, I, especially looking back on it, like Utah couldn't run the ball in the first half. They were not effective running the ball. And so there's a part of me that's like, yeah, UW's, UW is poor on the back end. And that's just, that's something that is known. And so my concern with them was definitely like, if they can't stop Utah's ability to run the ball, like they couldn't stop USC's, that's going to be a problem. So I, I do think that there was a little bit of, 
some false dawn going on as far as you're relying on Bryson Barnes to be an absolute superhero throughout the entire game that definitely wasn't going to happen. That being said, Bryson Barnes being a superhero is pretty much the average quarterback level um, in this conference. So I do think that there's genuine concern. I look, I've been, I've been down on UW all year. I think that me and everybody like Vegas agrees. Oregon is a seven point favorite over UW right now. And I'm taking Oregon in that case, outside of the fact that landing is going to leave 13 points on the field. So I just, I, I very much think <laughs> that UW is a good team and they are definitely 10 and 0 and you very much have to respect the wins, but this is not at all a team that I'm concerned about being able to compete in the, in the playoff or compete for a national title. It's just that they're not there and that's okay. Reed. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, Washington is like the 10th best team in the country. If you're talking about like how they actually stack up on a, on a given day. Um, I think that Penix were learning, uh, and probably should have learned before does miss some rhythm throws, uh, that can really kind of throw off this offense, um, because it's so reliant on that when he's if all- only somebody would have been saying this in the fucking off season. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, they are 10 to know though. So I, I don't remember you saying that part about it. Uh, <laughs> i think you know i mean they're the fact that they're just winning games like yeah next week they have a toss up in the in uh the graveyard you know they're gonna be uh slight underdogs in vegas maybe um depending who gets there but like still they, they have a shot at it they will go to a playoff will they like they're not gonna be favored in a playoff either but uh, I also don't think that they're just like will get blown off the field necessarily. Uh, if they have a good day, like they can compete with other teams. Roma Dunze's awesome, as we know. He was like, gross. He was yeah. great in this game. Yeah. So the he fa- only had three catches. And he about- was great. He owned yeah. that game. <laughs> but- <laughs> I think like every single one of those catches was worth like three. Yeah, like he drew, he drew yeah. like four pass interferences too, though. Like he was great. <laughs> no one can guard that, you know. No, no one's gonna have an answer to just say like, okay, yeah, a good pass from Penix or Dunze won't work on us. It's gonna work against everyone, and if they, you know, double cart guard that, then like there are other options there. So there's yeah, so many ex- other yeah, options. Yeah, exactly. Like Washington's, <laughs> I don't know the defense. Yeah, concerning. Like I don't know why why they gave up 20 in the first half, but they completely shut down Utah in the second half. It was encouraging that they didn't let Utah run at all. There's like there's some pieces there. They're not a juggernaut, but they're a good enough team to compete with everyone this year. I think uh, even if that means that they're you know ten point underdogs or seven point underdogs to a lot of the top five. Hey, it, it, like that's still a hat in the ring. More than that's closer than any Pac-12 team has been to the top of the sport in like ten years, nearly. Utah would have mm-hmm. beat 2019 LSU. Let's calm down. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I, I do, but I, but I think it's probably worth saying that, like, our expectations went. I mean, those first four or five weeks of the season, maybe even six weeks after they beat Oregon, we're talking about Utah as like one of the one of the best. People were comparing them, not just like UW fans, but like out in the national media, they were comparing them to 2019 LSU. Again, I know nothing about 2019 LSU, except that everyone talks about them as one of the greatest teams of all time. And that's how people were talking about Washington. So our expectations are probably lowered now, but they are still a very good team. Like I think beating 
um, I think a competent, if decimated, if limited Utah team, I think beating them matters. I think it mattered that they held them to zero in the second half. I don't, obviously that offense does not have like a ton of playmakers and giving up 28 in the first half was maybe the worst defensive performance it's had in quite some time. Um, but it did, you know, they, they managed to figure it out. Michael Penix did figure some stuff out, even if he didn't look uh, great the whole time. Their receivers clearly kicking everyone's ass. Um, their run game was pretty good. It was totally fine. I don't think it was the run game that we thought they might be able to have consistently against USC. Turns out, who knew, uh, USC makes everything look very, really, really, really good. Um, so, so yeah, but I, but I, but yeah, it's a flawed team. I, I think defensively they are they are a work in progress. I think I would have felt better in this game if they like dominated in the second half, right? Like their defense kicked ass. Uh, their defense was making Bryson Barnes struggle. Uh, they didn't get Utah didn't get much going on the ground. All of that sort of stuff. Um, and and a lot of a lot of that is due to UW's defense. But I sort of expected their offense to kind of pick it up and their offense faltered a little bit in the second half like you know i think greg was absolutely right in that the michael Penix pressure thing he's he's he made some fantastic throws under pressure to be clear like he was not over um against pressure but utah got to him and he did make some really dumb silly throws and got off rhythm and all this other stuff I, I want to talk that? about the pressure thing for like a second. Did it drive anybody else absolutely insane how Utah defenders were pulling up at the point that they oh. got to Penix all game? Yes. Like every single time. Like I know it's to avoid like I, I assume roughing, but like they were treating Penix like he was Caleb Williams and was going to spin out of the sack every single time that they got within arm's reach. Like there were so many times that his throw actually should have been effective and it affected and it wasn't. It was Have you considered so that weird. they like him and they don't want to hurt him <laughs> and yeah. they want him to win the Heisman? You're right. U- Utah defenders definitely found love in their heart. You're right. You're, you're <laughs> absolutely the first time in, 20, in 15 years. They respect Michael Penix. <laughs> Um, but no, I mean, I, I think that was probably a part of it. Uh, but it, you know, they didn't, they weren't able to kind of get to a most time, not most times. I would say there's a few big throws that they were able to do it. I think Utah, we'll get to Utah in a second here. Defensively felt like they did some stuff that eh, it was a little Dan Lanning esque, but overall, whatever <laughs> UW won, they survived They're 10 and 0. Um, the, the one thing I will say is that it, sometimes it feels like with Washington, I think we've said this all year. If they're not getting explosive plays, I'm not sure like where the offense goes and consistently can get stuff against a, a defense with a pulse. Uh, they were, they had a 33% red zone success rate. Uh, that's 31st percentile. That's not good. Uh, that was actually it's, very, very bad. It felt like they needed to get explosive plays or they weren't getting anything else. I thought we killed the explosive plays narrative after they beat Oregon without any explosive. Plays. No, 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 Arizona. You mean, <laughs> No, they beat Oregon no, it, exclusively with explosive plays. Was it? I thought they were. I thought no, they no. were. They beat, thought, they beat UW with exclusively. I'll pull up the success rate. They, okay. They I don't really Oregon. care, actually. <laughs> was, I feel like everyone's <laughs> She's like, waiting. here's my take. We killed it. And then she's like, never mind. I don't care. <laughs> I feel like everyone's waiting for this big gotcha moment with UW, which is fine. You can hope for that. You can wait for that. But what's going to happen is they're going to lose to Oregon State next week, like every top 10 team does in Corvallis. <laughs> and people are going to hold it up on a platter and be like, I fucking told I you. I am going to do that. I yeah. knew UW was <laughs> bad. Yes, yes correct. Oregon State should be 
be a top 10 team this week. Like they're one of the most consistent teams, especially at home. So I don't think dropping a game in Corvallis against like a very good Oregon State team that just beat the fuck out of Stanford is like the gotcha moment. Everyone's going to pretend it is. And I just want to get ahead of that narrative because it's going to be so fucking annoying, especially from some of you here today. We'll get to Oregon State. We'll get to Oregon State. But I do. I am curious to hear uh, if anyone else had thoughts about UW in in this game and were concerned. I mean, it feels like we're all sort of like, that was good. That was fine. But no one was particularly impressed. I have one piece of praise for UW. And I thought hey, me too. <laughs> the offensive line had a great game. Yes. I thought they had a yeah. great game. Utah had so many blitzes where the communication on the UW line was just perfect. And they managed to hold back like three extra defenders for just enough time for Penix to get a great throw off. You know, I think a slightly worse offensive line and Utah wins this game just because of the way they were able to pick up blitzes. And maybe some of that's on Utah for doing a bad job and how they designed them, but I was impressed with UW. You're telling me UW's offensive line was able to pick up the blitzes from Utah's fourth and fifth string linebackers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nobody else has been able to yeah, this entire season, so it's pretty impressive right. to me. Um, yeah. No, I I thought that this game really highlighted the UW wide receivers, man. Like, that's, that's true. Penix's line is not that great, and it could have been a lot worse. I thought the coverage by Utah's defensive backs were amazing, and UW receivers caught the damn ball anyways. So is this your first times. UW game all season? No, what the, the fuck? coverage has <laughs> never do- been this good. The coverage has never been this good. They have been absolute burners, and they get so much separation. They made so many unbelievable contested catches. I thought in this game that, especially like in the way that they go up and like are able to. It, it's it's the thing that they teach where like you don't hold your hands out because then the defensive back knows where to put their hand mm-hmm. like so many times like they are reaching they they are taught so well and coached so well like it they were absolutely outstanding in this game and i i think that you put this right up against the tape of the usc versus utah game and that is the difference maker that was by far the main difference maker of all of those times where caleb williams threw the ball up to, in those one-on-one situations, USC's wide receivers were not able to come down with the ball, and UW's came down with it every single time. Let's move over to Utah because I have a point about that. Um, let's let's talk about the Moose. They uh, lose this one. Obviously, they had a really hot start offensively. Faltered. I mean, more than faltered. Got blinked defensive uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Matthew Brinson, we'll start with you about Utah, uh, and then we'll and then I'll sort of say my point. What did you What did you think about the Moose here in their game against Washington, falling just short by seven? Yeah, I mean Bryson Barnes was was straight up bad in the second half. Like he, <laughs> the very first throw of the second half was this this uh, like medium crosser over the middle to Landon King, and he was late on it. Like the ball was in the right spot, it was the right decision. He just threw it late, and that's why it was behind him and and everything like that. And I just that that's everything that happened in the second half. Otherwise, like I just my biggest concern easily looking at this game is just Utah could not run the ball and not being able to lean on the run game. You're just never going to win a game with Bryson Burns as your quarterback. And if you're not running the ball for 175 plus yards, you're just never going to do that. Yeah. I think that's a, I think it's a great point. I mean, I think Bryson Barnes did come out, uh, on fire. He was awesome in the first half. He was fantastic. And I think, you know, that's kind of what, if, if you can get 28 points out of Bryson, out of a Bryson Barnes offense, and 
I don't know. I think as a Utah fan, you're probably going to be pretty happy with that. If I told you coming into this game, Utah's going to score 28, you'd be like, okay, they just got to hold them to, to less than that. And I think that's totally possible. Um, and they weren't able to do it. The weird thing is that it all came out in the first half and then nothing in the second half. Um, I think I think that my biggest gripe with what happened with Utah defensively is is a little of, of what Dan Lanning did. Uh, and, and that's just trusting those defensive backs to go one-on-one with those Washington receivers. I felt like you're right, Matt. They were, they were covered, but they were one-on-one. Uh, this was not an Arizona drop eight bailout on everything. Give them six, seven, eight, nine yards per play, but don't let them get explosives. That was not this defensive strategy. Um, and I sort of feel like with Washington, that's the only way you beat them. Uh, it feels to me that the only way you can stop their offense reliably is doing that and getting desperate. <sighs> Uh, it felt like it was just too many times that uh, Travis Broughton um, was on an island or any of the other defensive backs were on an island with those receivers. And I'm going to pick Washington receivers, like the top three or four of them, almost every single time um, against any defense. I don't think there's a single secondary that's going to be able to keep up with them. We saw them already torch Oregon's. We saw them torch Utah's. Like, I just don't, I don't trust that there is a secondary alive right now that can stop UW like that. So that's my only gripe with Utah is that like, you know, and I think it's interesting. Oregon's get another gonna get another shot at it to correct themselves. But like, you know, if Utah if Utah bails out to stop them through the air and is like, yeah, try to beat us seven, eight yards from the line of scrimmage. Get maybe seven Washington yards still does carry, it. Which is what they were doing yeah. in the first half. Like yeah. I don't think Utah had the wrong approach to this defensively at all. I yeah, I'm I was I'm picking very happy. UW receivers and double coverage too. Like yeah. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm picking the UW receivers, and I think Dylan Johnson is a great running back. Like I've been very impressed with him over the last few weeks. I thought he was fine this game. He didn't. He did. I thought he does a great job of maximizing his runs, and I think he does okay. enough that if UW's passing offense isn't there, you know, if you're dropping eight, he will gash you on the ground. I feel so confident in that because he he beats the first tackler. He's so good at that. <laughs> He's just big and he falls forward, which is all yeah. <laughs> all Washington needs to achieve balance because of how good their passing game is. It's like just hand it off to him. Yeah, at, at first contact, like he's not going to find a great hole. He's not going to cut back. He's not going to be super explosive, but he's going to run through it, you know, a, hopefully a big hole, hit a dude after four yards, and he's going to turn it into a six-yard carry. And, and that's enough in this offense. But, you know, I mean – Dylan Johnson's fine. He's good, but he's not like he's not a game-changing running back. He's not a game-changing running back, but he's enough that like if you're dropping eight, he'll punish you. Whereas yeah. if you're blitzing, I think, and if you're doing what Utah did, you have a chance to both stop the run game and get in Michael Penix's face enough that he misses the throw. And I thought that worked about as well as any strategy is going to work against this UW offense. The problem Utah's defense had is an offense that couldn't keep up. I thought that they held up their end uh, remarkably well. Reed, uh, what did you think of Utah's performance in this? You, were you feel do you feel like you're in the same you're in the same boat here that Utah's defensive performance is fine? It's just that UW's receivers are unstoppable, or you feel like I don't know? You feel like they probably might have done something different. They that UW's receivers are stoppable. It's just that you've got to make some real concessions. Yeah, I I just don't think Utah's defense is that elite, honestly. Like I I don't I don't okay. think they're elite from a personnel perspective. This injured, I 
yeah, they're they've been well coached. Um, I don't know. I mean, the game plan here, sure. I I I think that there's a lot of different things you can try against Washington. I don't think this is like this super stupid approach that they never had a chance with. Just like I like I I think that's just such a silly argument. I think that Washington's offense is built to beat zone, so man is something yeah. that you have to do. And I think that either you send a blitz or you say we're going to try to guess and put an extra defender on this receiver. And half the time or two thirds of the time, you're going to guess wrong. And the hot read is going to be a different guy. And so, and it's going to be a guy in one-on-one coverage. Uh, probably more of that. If Penix is doing his job and identifying the coverage correctly. So it's just, it's just really fucking hard to stop. Like it, it's, it's, and especially so when your corners are, pretty good but not elite uh your safeties are are good but like you don't have an insane front seven your linebackers are super decimated it's just like there weren't that many answers for utah um defensively and and all that given i thought 35 was a fine result for them i think my biggest issue was like that like matt said they couldn't run the ball like what happened to the run game here um that's a huge thing that like you you had a good Bryson Barnes performance that was carrying its weight in the first half, but you just couldn't run it. And Utah's offensive line was supposed to be good. And Jaquinda Jackson was supposed to be a top four running back in the Pac-12. And like those things do have a successful run game against Washington's pass or Washington's rush defense. It's not that good. Um, so I, I don't know what happened there. That was just a head scratcher for me. Every, what about you? What do you, where do you want to go here? We talked about the Utah's run game. We've talked about their defense. What, what did you feel like happened with Utah in this one? I mean, they relied on Bryson Barnes in the first half and he's not the quality of player to maintain any sort of performance like that in the second half. I was blown away in the first half by Bryson Barnes. Like he, he played really, really well. I did not know he was capable of playing like that for that long, um, against power five opponents, but like he did it and I was impressed. I don't know how they thought they were going to be able to maintain that in the second half. I feel like it's pretty easy to figure out from a coaching standpoint. They couldn't get the run game going at all. I don't know. I think it was a good game for Utah overall traveling to Seattle and playing them that close that late. I, I would consider a win considering how injury injured they are, but I don't, know. I don't think they're an elite defense either, and I'm, I'm kind of tired of hearing that. <laughs> One thing that I should have mentioned with UW that I didn't, uh, and this is about their defense, Braylon Trice absolutely kicked Spencer Fano's ass. Just <laughs> he was dominated awesome. him. Completely, and I get Spencer really Fano's good. a freshman, but he was one of the highest-rated uh, offensive tackles in the last class. He's had, I think, a solid year for a freshman starting. Obviously, lots of mistakes, but it just, like, aside from maybe a few moments early in the game, Braylon Trice beat him on every play. Beat him in pass cover, uh, in, in, on, like, uh, <laughs> he beat him in pass rush, and he beat him in the run game, too. Like, there was just no hope for Utah on that side of the line. And so, <laughs> good job, Braylon Trice. I don't want to hear about Braylon Trice's passer rate, a pressure rate. <laughs> I. Uh, UW fans fucking love bringing that up. Get a fucking sack then. I was at this game and they kept talking about how for two sacks, everybody gets a free Chick-fil-A sandwich. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> uh, as a Utah fan, like Utah fans, you, they have to get a turnover 
for or you have maybe to get two, two turnovers. turnovers. <laughs> two that's crazy. Turnovers the bar, for that's a sandwich. so fucking funny. <laughs> so when they're saying two sacks, I'm like, does not every team automatically get two sacks every game? <laughs> you, like, you're not an elite. You're not elite um, pass rusher if you're not hitting home against fucking um, Bryson Barnes. Like that's that's crazy. I don't give a shit about pressure rates. Utah went years with the defensive mantra of four and a score. Like they did not win a game if they didn't have four turnovers and a defensive touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's crazy. Jesus. That's crazy. Uh, I, I anyway. I think we probably should have seen the Trice thing coming though. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I I get how highly rated Spencer Fano was, but fr- <laughs> freshmen are the people mm-hmm. that Braylon Trice is gonna eat alive. Like. Cause he just just not had, strong enough. Yeah, he just has a nasty <laughs> bull rush, and that's about it. But if you don't have a hell of an anchor as a tackle, uh, and most freshmen aren't going to, then like you're just gonna get blown off time after time, and, and that's what happened. Yeah, let's. Uh, th- so you uh, Washington goes ten and zero. Utah effectively eliminated from the Pac-12 title race. I wouldn't count them out yet. <laughs> <laughs> It would require. Here's what it would require. I think it would require a number of things, but I think the most unlikely of all the things that it would require for Utah to get back into it is Oregon losing to Arizona State. And I know they're in Tempe, and I know curse and blah 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 blah. I'm sorry, Oregon is gonna is gonna blast the fuck out of Arizona State. I am sorry. I just it's I not think over till it's over. Carlos. It's not over till it's over. But I'm feeling feeling pretty over about Utah's pack. Can we chances, somehow so. get the sun to set in Tempe at 1:30? Is that <laughs> how can we make that happen? Is that is that what the game it's time is? One day yeah. for both Utah and Oregon in the desert this year. <laughs> so who gets the night game? Does that mean UCLA USC is like late Probably, night? Probably. I don't know. Oh my I god! Jesus Christ. <laughs> UCLA USC at 7:30 is really cursed. Um, all right, let's let's move on to talk about the next slate of games. Let's talk about Oregon and USC. Oregon beat up on USC 36 to 27. The score doesn't portray how bad of a beatdown this was. The Ducks outgained USC 552 yards to 379. Never trailed uh, in this one. Oregon uh, opened up the game, scoring on an 84-yard touchdown, and then uh usc scored a very tough uh tough long touchdown drive and then oregon immediately opened its second drive with a 77 yard touchdown uh and then they they never looked back really after that so oregon continues to dominate here reed start us off what did you think of oregon last night what a glorious glorious night for oregon (laughs) look uh guys it's not 2003 it's not 2011 it's a new era uh, and I think USC fans, you know, I'm sorry, you're born 20 years too late. This is what it is. This is what it's going to be going forward. Uh, Dan Lanning, just a better coach than Lincoln Riley. We're learning that. Um, look, yeah, you, you have to, I get people are going to say, oh, Alex Grinch defense, 15 point favorites, but this matchup, like this was a matchup that the course was set. Two years ago when Lincoln Riley came to USC and Dan Lanning was hired at Oregon. It was said again this offseason when Oregon was a one-point favorite in this game. And these were like the two main contenders in the Pac-12 along with Washington. Um, And so to have it get to this point and just to see like the physical advantage that Oregon had in this game uh, and the emphasis that they put on that in contrast to USC, it showed up. Uh, It was a frustrating night in some ways because I think – there were multiple times before the half in the third quarter and the early fourth 
where it felt like Oregon could open up, you know, a 30 point lead and they didn't quite do that. Um, but still it was in control the entire time. Uh, and Oregon just, just pushed them around like USC, as we know, not a good defense. All right. And, and they only got one stop, you know, where they forced a punt and then they had a missed field goal at the end of the game. Uh, and then on offense, like USC's offense isn't elite either. We're learning it's all Caleb Williams improvisational plays, and it really took a few backbreaking mistakes and penalties for them to even string together the drives that they had. Um, yeah, I mean, Oregon's just at a better place as a program right now than USC is, and I, I think that like USC's fans' excuses about Grinch and everything don't don't take into account like how at our at each other's throats and even these fan bases considered these matchups just three months ago you know so this was a big date and the fact that usc showed up to it with this product is something that we need to evaluate seriously what do you think matt i was not here to listen or read it so i can't engage it thank god i uh, can't really engage any of these talking points but uh what, what do you have so to you're gonna make me engage game? with that bullshit like <laughs> <laughs> yes oregon is the best team in the conference right now like you and usc is a middling team i don't there, there's really not much else to say here like usc isn't good yeah go ahead Avery. if if oregon puts away asu i'll i'll give them i'll give them the best team in the conference award but yeah. I'm not sure about them until then. Yeah. Greg, what did you think of, of Oregon in this one? Yeah, uh, they're the best team in the conference. I learned nothing from them in this game. Just. I mean, I, I learned, I don't know. I, I think I think the thing we learned is that, I mean, I get that USC's offense is, uh, is it's not a dumpster fire. It's like not bad. It's not bad, but it's like decent. And like, that's kind of when, you have Caleb Williams and like all the hype that this offense had coming into the season. Decent may as well be a dumpster fire. Um, that offensive line is uh, horrendous. And I say all that to say, I don't know. I was, I was impressed by Oregon's defense in this game. I thought defensively they, you know, this is me. I think this is, I know they gave, they gave up, you know, a fair amount of points, but I'd say defensively, this is maybe their best performance of the season. I think this is the most impressive they've looked defensively all season. Uh, it felt like USC's receivers had so such little airtime there. I thought the defensive backs for Oregon were blanketing them. Uh, I thought Caleb Williams had absolutely nowhere to go. I felt like this is the best pass rushing game I've seen from Oregon this game. Um, their offense, ruthlessly efficient. I think we've talked about that. Like It's just so crazy with Oregon that it's like, we don't care that we are going. To, we aren't going to get explosives. Uh, we don't care that it doesn't. Right, like we're we're not going to go downfield. We don't care that Bo Nix's average depth of target is like six yards per play. We don't care about any of that shit because if they get it to any one of their playmakers, they're breaking it for ten to fifteen yards, fifteen to twenty if it's USC. Um, and that's 80. just like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> 15 to 20 to 80. Um, and I, I think that is much more dangerous and more sustainable than Washington's passing offense. Like, Washington's passing offense, I think, can, like, get through these weird droughts because they're chasing explosive plays. And it's like Meg, Michael Penix hit, misses on two of those on a single drive, and they're way behind the stick. You know, they just can't they're, – they're not. It, it doesn't quite work They're all the time, right? It's not super clean. It's not ultra-efficient. Oregon is like, 
it's not hard. It's like not hard to execute a five yard a five yard pass. It's not hard to execute giving the ball to fucking Becky Irving and getting out of the way. Like it's just not hard to execute those things, and you can do that reliably. And Oregon is getting minimum seven yards out of that every single time. It's a brutally efficient offense. Their defense is totally decent. It is completely fine. Like I don't know that it's like. Right, the best defense in the conference, although maybe with USC, with UCLA completely faltering in Utah, um, sort of having the performance it did against Washington, um, but like it's definitely good enough to allow the the offense to just completely snuff the life out of teams. It's ridiculous to watch. So, yeah, I, I agree. Oregon is the uh, best. You know, Oregon's the best team in the conference, I think. I think that if they play Washington again, I think there's enough holes in Washington's offense. I do. I am still steadfast in this idea that, like, if you just played a, a game where you're completely terrified of Washington's receivers and you're sort of making them beat you six, seven yards downfield, uh, six to seven yards at a time rather than not, like, that might be a more fruitful strategy. Then again, I don't know. It did seem like if we're thinking that Washington can – uh, you know, can get off schedule and off rhythm enough to just throw a bunch of errant passes. And then, you know, that's enough to get three or four or five or six stops. Uh, maybe that's fine. And you just sort of live with that. I don't know. Uh, but the point is, is that I think Oregon is the best team in the conference. I think if they played against Washington next week, I would pick Oregon. I would pick Oregon. I honestly minus 10. Um, to cover a, a 10 point spread, honestly. So I don't know. I'm really curious to see what it looks like against like, you know, teams that have more talent than them. You know, I think one of the things I learned from Parker at Stats of War in our off season conversation with them is there tends to be a big a valuing of teams that rely on the run game. And then when they have to play teams that are at their talent level or more, they, they don't have that anymore. So I'm curious to see what that looks like in a national sense, but other than that, like they should, they should run the table. I will say, uh, hosting Oregon State will be interesting, but I'm I'm really curious about Oregon. I I think um, that's total. Go ahead. Yeah, Reed. I think that's right, Carlos. Honestly, as in a Pac-12 setting, like Oregon's offense, very repeatable, uh, very efficient. I'm I'm a little worried, or just like I, I think I have less of an idea of what Oregon's offense looks like versus a defensive line like Georgia's or Michigan's. Then Washington, I think, if they were in that setting, would just be like, okay, we just have to throw really fast passes, you know, and they would find a way to get out of it, and they wouldn't need that run game to work to make their offense go necessarily. Uh, I think they could still get to a number. I think that Oregon's attack, if they're just getting blown off the line of scrimmage, which I'm not sure they would be, but if they were, I think that shuts down the offense uh, a bit more. Avery, you had uh, some thoughts about Oregon's uniforms <laughs> before we transition oh, yeah. over, over USC. So let's. I do uniform watch, and Oregon has been wearing a lot of black this season, and it's been really bad. And I just wanted to congratulate Oregon on learning how to properly wear the color black um, with yellow. Don't wear black with green. Black with green looks bad. In the past, they've been wearing <laughs> black pants with their green tops and white numbers, which is just the most incohesive shit I've ever seen in my entire life. So finally realizing that you can wear black with yellow and black, and it looks good or better, I guess. I don't think they should wear black at all, but it looks better. I, I'm really impressed with them. I feel like that's the most impressive thing coming out of this week from Oregon <laughs> is their ability to match their uniform tops to their bottoms. You're telling me the black... the. <laughs> 
black pants with the uh, duck shit tops didn't do it for you? No, mm, no. Okay, interesting. <laughs> um, let's let's move over to the USC aspect of this uh, team that never changes his uniforms. Caleb Williams uh, had a hard time staying upright in this one. He didn't put up the gaudy numbers we're used to seeing him uh, put up. He threw for 291 yards and a touchdown, threw in a rushing touchdown in the end as well, but might have been the only reason they were even in this game. Uh, nowhere near enough, though. They were... I, I, the score may say otherwise, and I know we were sort of watching it to see, because it, but it just did not feel that competitive. So let's start with Greg. Greg, 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 Greg. <laughs> what did you think of USC? USC's recruiting needs to improve swiftly, because that that is the main thing I noticed during this game was, oh, okay, so Oregon's players are just, like, so much better than USC's players. Like, yeah. a gap between... The gap between these two teams, talent-wise, is just embarrassing and should not happen when you're at USC. The, def- the defensive guys clearly showing Alex Grinch is not the only problem there. How the fuck are you letting back-to-back drives with Tez Johnson and then Troy Franklin just outrunning your entire team for, like, 80-yard touchdowns? What the fuck was that? Now, I appreciated it because both of those guys were starting for my fantasy team this week— But, (laughs) I mean, it's just clear. It's so clear that USC is a team of fine players, for the most part, with a couple really good ones. And Oregon is a team of a bunch of really good players. I think, I don't know, I think it is going to be a very, very rough transition to the Big Ten for USC. Uh, They're going to get bullied. They're going to get bullied. They've been bullied this year by multiple teams. I just... Yuck. That 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 was my takeaway watching USC today. Or yesterday. <laughs> um Reed, what did you what did you think of USC in this one? Yeah, shout out Dante Williams, left Oregon to go go to USC, just tanking DB's careers left and right. Um <laughs> Boy. Well, I mean, oh, man, there was a couple fuck? brutal ones in here. USC it's it's everything we said about them last year. Um but worse. Their offensive line looked like Colorado's in this matchup. Yeah. Their defense is just atrocious. They don't teach tackling. They they don't know how to teach a defense. Like they don't watch film. Why would you ever ever go to USC if you're a defensive prospect? Like it will be a black mark on you in the NFL draft evaluation. They'll be Not anymore, not anymore, but uh. why why not? <laughs> Because I assume that they're going to get... I mean, I get that Lincoln Riley is the one who hired Alex Grinch to begin with, but they can luck into a good defensive coordinator. I don't think it's like, oh, yeah, USC will always be this bad uh, defensively. Carlos, I know I know, this is asking way too much. Go go, Google Lincoln Riley's defenses, even outside of Grinch. <laughs> they weren't <laughs> good. He go had a quick Google there. They go want ahead, to Sorry play seven-on-seven. Seven. They don't teach tackling. They don't recruit. They, like, they're just absent from high schools all across California don't show up don't make an effort like all all he wants to do is get some flashy receivers get a quarterback who he can develop like Caleb Williams he does an awesome job at that I mean Caleb Williams amazing receivers not awesome this year but pretty talented I have no doubt that more talented receivers will come there the future of Zachariah Branch will be awesome but like if 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 he doesn't like hire Manny Diaz away from Penn State, 
if, if that happened, I'd be scared. If he just makes another dumbass hire and doesn't give the full keys away to someone to say, okay, you can coach a real defense, then they're never gonna they're never gonna compete nationally. What like what war what world is there where the strengths of USC that Lincoln Riley are is good at looks better than this? Caleb, you're not going to find a better quarterback than Caleb Williams. Like it's just not going to happen. And they're not winning the battle in terms of offensive line recruiting and defensive recruiting in the trenches. Like what's the path here? I, I think it's far less a Lincoln Riley problem and far more a USC problem right now. Like this was a horror, a very very like we are finding out that this was a very poor like as far as a culture meeting a head coach like this was probably one of a a top 10 like this could go really well or this could go really poorly for for usc usc already has has had this culture problem of not necessarily doing all the right things, not necessarily, um, you know, really holding people accountable. And so then to have Lincoln Riley come in and be someone that is pretty much a, Hey, I'm just going to get the quarterback a Heisman trophy. And then we'll see how many games we win. Um, it is, it has failed fairly, fairly significantly. Um, that I don't, I, I agree. I don't think is going to get any better. I don't necessarily think that it's exclusively Lincoln Riley and that he couldn't work somewhere else. But I do think that it is very fair to say that this marriage is not one. I, I think that this is showing to be far more toxic than I ever thought it could have been. Yeah, Greg, what did you think? Did you get to did you get to watch this game? Yeah, I told you. I thought hey, USC's yeah, okay. team. Okay. I'm is not paying just, attention to what you're yeah, saying. That, thank you. That that feels good, Carlos. I feel <laughs> valued. Um, but USC's team sucks. They need a guy like Lanning. I like that was my main thought. Was they need a guy like Dan Lanning because of the way that he got to Oregon and it feels like he made the effort to learn to do the things it takes to be good at Oregon and Lincoln Riley got to USC and he was like, this is how I've always done it. This is how I'm always going to do it. And it's not fucking working. Yeah. Turns out Oklahoma and LA are different. That can't be true. <laughs> turns, <laughs> I was told out, by, I was told God, by Reed, I don't Norman need to hear your shit right now not. about the Lincoln Riley at USC and not being the end of Oregon. It's fine. We got it. You yeah, were right. There we win. go. Here we go. Well, I was told. I was. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I was told USC was our new God overlord. Damn it! That Stop. USC this would is never exactly what I just lose said. I don't need to hear that USC was going to win by thirty in Autzen. Didn't happen. And guess what? The U. The <laughs> USC Carlos. Who the fuck said that? The USC brand is damaged too. Like that's the thing. If you're forty, <clears throat> you still think that USC is the is a top three brand in the sport. And it's just not high school. High school recruits do not care as much about USC as they used to like Lincoln Riley. He doesn't put enough emphasis into recruiting, but the conventional wisdom is like, you can throw a stone out the window in LA and land a top five class at USC. And that's, it's just not the case anymore. If it was true, Lincoln Riley would be able to do it. And he's not. I think Lincoln Riley should consider um, adding more black to the uniform lineup for USC <laughs> and abandoning tradition and going that route. These like head coaching searches, like those guys that go on the head coach search that get hired by the university should add brisket dryness to the profile of these coaches. Yeah, I pretty tell you a lot. Pretty tough. Um, I, I will say about this about USC is that like, I, I don't know that I bought 
it's going to take one. I mean, it's it's not going to take very much for us to be back. It's like we're dunking on them now. They look bad now, but like it's just not going to take very long for them to for their results to translate into recruiting success. Like it's just not. I I don't know. I don't like buy this idea that like yeah 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 they're like they're cooked. They're they will never be what they were again, and it'll be hard for them to climb up there. It's not that's not the same thing. Um, so I don't know. I guess I'm. Yeah, they suck right now. They're horrible. They're a bad team. They're a middle. I guess you could say a middling team. They're not a horrible team technically. Um, but, but they, I think, like I, I just don't think I'm ready to bury USC here and say yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're cooked. But we were t- like the way we treated the USC job two years ago was if you put a competent coach in there, it's just you spark it immediately and it's top five classes and ten win seasons. Just print them. I'm not sure Lincoln Riley's a competent coach. Year. I'm not convinced he's a competent coach. <laughs> well, I'm not. Like, I don't know how you can watch the regression year over year and say and and say definitively, fully, oh shit, Lincoln Riley is a competent coach, or like that USC dealt with a decimated roster. If USC dealt with the injuries that Utah is had and played exactly the way they are now, I would say okay. Like, this is actually not bad when you consider all the things that happened. That is not what's happened to USC. Like, it has been legitimate regression year over year. Um, like, at almost every <clears throat> position group, including maybe potentially quarterback, maybe not running back, but they don't use that anyway. So it doesn't matter. Who the fuck cares? They have, like, gotten worse defensively. Their defensive backs have gone from we can't tackle to we can't even locate where the fucking ball is. Like, that's how bad it's gotten. Like, I think it's gotten worse year over year no i don't i'm not ready to say i'm not so that lincoln riley is a competent coach i am not so that lincoln riley isn't just usc chip kelly right chip kelly gets hired at ucla and everyone's like oh fuck here comes you at ucla like what an amazing hire um and then it just went to shit i am not unconvinced that this is not what's happening here at usc uh pete thamel chip kelly has been relieved as head coach of the ucla bruins bang Bang! Let's go. I told y'all. I'm entirely happen. fucking with you. Chad made me do it. Let's go to break. I'm done talking about this <laughs> shit. Fuck you. you suck. You suck. Let's go. <laughs> go to break. Let's go. I'm done with you and Reed. <laughs> Move along. Dang. Throw to, I was ready. I want to talk uh, about right. ASU. I want to talk happen. about ASU. <laughs> go to break. All right. Let's take a quick ad break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the rest of the slate and maybe Jim Kelly. Homefieldapparel.com. You're home for all of your vintage collegiate apparel needs. It is officially hoodie season, and the super soft hoodies and crewnecks at Homefield are by far the highest quality, best-looking hoodie season companions on the market. And to make sure that you remain adequately cozy through the season, Homefield is offering a 20% off the entire site Black Friday sale with the code Black Friday, valid from November 18th through November 27th. All Pac-12 schools except Oregon and Stanford have gorgeous collections. The Beavlet collection is my personal favorite. And if you're just looking to troll your favorite Oregon fan, they also have a great UCI shirt that is one of their best sellers. Make sure to get your orders in early as items are subject to sell out, and this is the biggest discount Homefield offers all year. Once again, that is code Black Friday, all one word, for 20% off the entire site from November 18th through the 27th at homefieldapparel.com. Many thanks to the good brand for fulfilling our holiday consumerism bucket. All right, let's move on <laughs> to talk about the rest. You're still giggling How over mad that are you mad. Right <laughs> <laughs> I'm not mad. I thought that was funny. I was like, it's gonna happen. Like I uh here's the thing is that it's it's like we're on the verge of it happening. 
I don't know if it's going to happen today. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it when we get to Arizona State UCLA. Let's talk about first Arizona Colorado though. Uh, we had a thrilling game in Boulder. Arizona beats Colorado 34-31 thanks to a walk-off 24-yard field goal. Tough game for Arizona, but the Biffs uh, because the Biffs 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 the Buffs pinned them down uh, to the wall several times. Uh, this game was super back and forth in the end, though. The Wildcats get it done off the back of Jonah Coleman, who rushed for 179 yards off of 11 carries, as well as Ted McMillan, who had 107 catching yards to go along with the touchdown. Uh, Cowing was hurt uh, in the middle of this one. That really took away some options for Fafita, but he managed to still put together a fantastic game, pull this one out for the Cats. Uh, look, we've talked uh, extensively about Colorado, so let's skip over here and just focus on Arizona. Uh, Reed, what did you think of the Wildcats? I thought, given my feelings about Arizona, good that they pulled this one out. You know, I think that they're overachieving this year. I think it's an awesome story. I think on the right day, they can be a top 20 team. I thought this was not their best game, right? Like, didn't have it for some stretches. Cowan goes out. Uh, Colorado was cooking offensively. Some of that's on your defense, sure. But I think this is the reason, like, why just need to nail the Arizona expectations properly like they are probably the third or fourth best team in the conference they're a solid pick for that they're the 20th best team in the country they're not the second best team in the conference right we we know that now uh Washington Dude, and Oregon. You t- as much as you love to talk about me overreacting, you're like, I love how, how much you're overreacting. Continue, Reed. <laughs> well, I mean, what do you mean? You you think that you think that we shouldn't I, remove I don't get them? how everyone is just like, yeah, they're just winning their clunker. Like for it seems to me that it only counts to win your clunkers, and it only counts to blow out Stanford if it's Oregon, right? Oregon like almost loses to what is no, he definitively a bad Texas Tech. What are you talking about? Right? This this <laughs> team beats Stanford by go one point. What, what are yeah, you talking yeah. go about? Ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, he's, Reed. He's, he's rejecting. There. Tell me about how Arizona's just fine and they're decent and they're okay. I think he's talking about Oregon State when he brought up the Stanford Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing. That's what I was talking about. I didn't finish that sentence. But continue, Reed. We're not we're not talking about Oregon State. <laughs> like, what is happening? It'll get it'll get there. It'll get there. Go ahead. They beat Colorado on a last second field goal. Who's lost five of six? That, like this is it this is this a clunker? Worried. Is this not a clunker? I'm glad they won. Yeah, and they won. Yeah, and top they won. Ten, top but I'm 10 like teams don't now, do this. Now suddenly we're gonna have to reevaluate them. Well, because top they 10 went to- teams do this, actually, because <laughs> yes. we have one in our conference yes. that does this yes. every yes. fucking week. No, it's like <laughs> a top five team does this regularly. <laughs> God. I I, I mean I that's know, the thing. Man. Is that, that like, like it, cool? They're like I I don't think that they're they're not the best team in the conference. Like they're good. They're they're the <laughs> Who third. Who thinks that? Nobody thinks Those that. Those are the type of yeah, conversations I mean, I... we were having last week. Carlos was like, eh, "Are they better than Oregon? They might be." We're trying to have fun, Reed, and <laughs> Arizona being the best team in the conference is a fun reality that I would like to I, live in. I, so I don't I, have to w- hear from you and Washington fans about how great your teams are. Arizona fans are much more agreeable to be it around. It would be awesome <laughs> if we lived in that reality. Sadly, a 34-31 win over Colorado just doesn't do it for me. This is more impressive than almost losing to Arizona State at home. Okay. We're almost losing to Texas Tech on the road. Like, I just don't. I guess I'm just like, 
I don't know why we have to do this thing where like our preseason expectations have to like color. It's like, oh, look, finally, look, they had a clunker in Boulder, which, by the way, is metrically, analytically, the toughest place to play in the Pac-12. And like, I'm sorry, yeah, what that wait, means. Wait, 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 wait. Analytically, <laughs> the toughest place. Like, fuck off, fuck off. <laughs> what did the metrics say? Wait, I want to hear him out. Let's what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, er- Colorado uh, By since elevation 2011 or what? Like what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Has had the hi- has had the highest difference in their margin of victory slash defeat. Oh no, like, I don't care. Since, since I then. don't care. It's not hard for teams to win in Colorado. Yeah, no, it's not hard for teams to win in Colorado. But Colorado's been competitive with almost every with almost everyone, God. right? And like, I guess I'm just like, why are why suddenly like Arizona? You guys do this all the time, where it's like, yeah, now that Arizona's had a clunker, it's like, mm, well, they're not that good. Like, see, we told you. It's like, sorry, they, they just do that they all just the beat, time. They like beat three top half-ish teams in the Pac-12 over the past three weeks and did so in kind of convincing manner in each of them. And then they go to Colorado and kind of have a stinky game, but they they managed to come away with it. It's like, I watched 2021 Utah, which, by the way, is everyone's favorite comparison. I watched 2021 Utah almost lose to 1-11 Arizona in Tucson. And they ended up went and like they won and won the Pac-12 championship. Sorry, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not concerned about this. <laughs> I, I just I can't get over Carlos saying that that you know playing at Folsom Field is the hardest place to play, but also <laughs> saying I'm gonna look up, it's not look up the hard for here. teams to win in Colorado. No, I don't think it's hard. I don't think it's hard Everyone, for them to win. As we all know, if you if you followed back of history, there's no place you you want to avoid more than at Colorado. <laughs> everyone everyone fears the Colorado away game. Um, the home and road split for Colorado, by the way, is 11 points. They're 11 points first, better. First thing, when you you're get using the, points per nobody game. Cares. Nobody cares. First, first it's so thing, easy to win analytically, everyone, everyone analytically. gets their schedule. They look, what, oh, God, oh, where's where's the at Colorado <laughs> game? Circle that one. Oh, that auto loss there. I think last year Utah scored 60 in Colorado. Colorado in like the first half. It's it's not hard to win there. We had a whole yeah, ass conversation yeah. like not twenty but, minutes ago about Utah and Oregon getting day games in the desert instead of night games. But yeah. <laughs> in order to be consistent, I will continue to talk about Arizona the same way we've talked about UW after every one of UW's horrible wins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's all I'm asking for. That's all I'm asking for. Rank them in the top ten. Yeah, I'm, that's that's all I'm asking for. I think Arizona's a good team, and like, yeah, they're afforded to have a, a shitty game. They're not. Are they a dominant team? Are they one of the greatest teams of all time? No, because one of the greatest teams of all time, a dominant team, uh, is probably blowing everyone out by 21, 24, 28, whatever. But they're a really good team. I don't see why they're any how they're any different than uh, they're probably maybe a step below Oregon, but I don't I don't see how they're significantly many steps below Washington. I don't see why they're a tier below Washington. I think that's wild to me. Um, I just think we think that because Washington started off the season with a preseason ranking and Arizona started Jaden Delora at quarterback. Sure, like that's the only reason we're talking about. Surely it has nothing to do with Arizona having three losses and Washington having none. Yeah, but the reason they have three losses is because of Jaden Delora. Yeah, they lose That's one like with Jaden Delora, and then their first game, their Noah Fafita's first start is against Washington, and then they go triple overtime against USC, which is like, okay, fine, USC is not a great team. 
Jetfish made some stupid decisions, yeah, but, but like Jetfish let's isn't say just going to the... stop making those dumb decisions. Like that's something you he have... stopped making them today. We we should talk about this game because I thought he managed the end of this game really really well. Um, I thought that again in a close game we talked about Jetfish Galaxy braining himself out of some shit. Um, at the end of this game, decides to just run the ball, gets all the way downfield, takes a takes a couple of knees to set up a a chip shot field goal and wins the game handily. If no they drama. Had missed that whatsoever. field goal, you would be screaming at Jetfish right yeah, now. Yeah, it'd be very Let's funny. It'd be very funny. <laughs> but that's the right. That's it is yeah. the right thing. I'm just I, I'm very much calling out Carlos here. <laughs> that Carlos would yes, be screaming. Yes, and but it would be so because it would be so fucking funny. Yes, because it would be <laughs> so funny. But that's not what happened. Um, because you know, the likelihood of missing the likelihood of something funny happening on a 24 yard field goal is not very high. Um, so I don't know. I, now I feel like y'all are making me defend Arizona and it's like, come on, like we're going to talk as if this team isn't on a, a really nice streak. Hasn't been competitive in every single game it's played, no matter who it is. Like, I don't know. I, I, I'm, and they're also still in contention to be in the conference championship yeah, game. Yeah. Here if, in, on if November eighteenth, still existed, they would be in the conference championship game. So, like, I don't think that's it's, crazy. I don't think it's un, yeah, I don't think it's unfair to like not leave them out. Like, I, I think you should definitely talk about them in the same breath as Oregon and Washington in terms of conference championship. Because I'm like very sick of everyone speaking about the conference championship game like it's going to be Oregon and Washington as if this stupid fucking conference hasn't let Utah win it every single time <laughs> like please yeah yeah so anyway I guess I'm just uh I guess I'm just Arizona I'm, I'm Arizona pilt I'm Arizona pilt I think they're a great team um and yes they had a dumb game but they were fine um in the in the very very hostile confines of Folsom Field and, and Boulder. Um, before we move on out of this game, Matt, you had something yeah, to say we, about. Can we uh, talk Deion Colorado Sanders? for a second? Um, yeah, so yeah, Texas A yeah. and M fired their coach today. Yes. Uh, Didn't they win yesterday? Has uh, yeah, they won by like forty points. Um, <laughs> has uh, has Dion done enough? Is Dion Dion going to get a call here? There's no way. I don't. There's think no so. way. I, Listen, if there's uh, anything that's always rational and makes very wise decisions, it's oil money. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good point. I mean, I think okay, first of all, I think that I think that Dion would kick ass at Texas AM. I think he'd kick ass at Texas. Well, A&M. I think I think he'd be fantastic. I just think culturally, Texas AM strikes me as a re- religious, racist, like really uh, violent uh, university thing institution, not religious. place, community. But, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> racist also. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I don't think it's a good fit, actually. Just And I don't think they'll be looking yeah. for that, because usually when you fire a coach, you start looking for their opposite. And Jimbo's problem at Texas A&M has not been recruiting. And I think if you hire Dion the main thing you're hiring is his recruiting. That's not to say he can't be a good coach outside of that. I don't think we've what would seen you say, enough. Not, that I, not to get into truck stops here, but what would you say Jimpo Fisher's problem was at Texas A&M? He's a moron. Like, <laughs> just terrible decisions. Yeah. He just makes the dumbest possible decision in-game. In-game <laughs> in in game decisions? Like, he's a jet in, fish. In offense. Great, Mar- Great he's Sunday. a Mario Cristobal. Yeah, yeah, he's a Mario Cristobal. Oh. He's worse than Jetfish, hey, wow. I would say. Well, but see, Mario Cristobal's thing was that he like really restricted his offensive coordinators and stuff. Well, like no, because yeah, Jimbo, Jimbo does that too. Yeah, Jimbo, Jimbo does that too. Okay. It's just that Jimbo is guy. the offensive coordinator that he's restricting. <laughs> he's an offensive guy, and he wants every quarterback he has to be Jameis Winston, but he hasn't had Jameis Winston since Jameis Winston. 
and it just hamstrings the offense because oh my god the NF the like the college quarterback can't do NFL quarterback things so my offense doesn't work and I'm not adapting at all also let's punt at fourth and one on the 38 like he's, he's a dumbass <laughs> Um, I guess I asked that to just figure out, well, would Dion kick ass? I mean, he's gotten, uh, I guess Jimbo Fisher, I think he's gotten pretty good at building staffs at least and maybe not letting them flourish, I guess. But I don't know. It feels like Dion, I feel like Dion could work pretty much in most places as long as, I, the problem is, is that I think the the cultural clash, Texas A&M, uh, not, a, not a particularly kind university, I think, in terms of, it's not a very progressive university. And I don't know that Dion Sanders himself is a pro- progressive coach, but He's certainly one that we talked about it last week, embraces his his blackness and embraces his culture. And I'm not sure that that's something that'd be welcome at T- Texas A&M, but just purely from like a football perspective, I think it, I think it'd work out. Um, so maybe he gets a call, but I don't know how serious Texas A&M will be. I feel like it took like, it, I mean, here's what it took for Dion to get into a P5 job. It took literally the worst P5 job uh, maybe in the country uh, outside of like Vanderbilt, maybe like top bottom 10 p5 job in the country to get dion a p5 job like that's what it took and with a very good track record of hiring black coaches too right right colorado having done that exactly so yeah i don't know what do you what's your read on it matt you asked i mean i just texas a&m is real good at being dumb and i don't know how many like actually flashy like genuinely interesting options there are out there yeah for texas a&m mm-hmm. specifically yeah uh well i don't know we'll see we'll see maybe texas a&m uh he makes a call to another pac-12 coach maybe i don't know like one who's good at recruiting i think one no, who has like no. who has put together a good roster i think one who's like we're talking about maybe like someone who's like the best in the pac-12 like someone who's kind of put them in a position to do that um yeah like maybe like someone Dan- like, that has a, co- a connection to texas yeah, and and like maybe someone who like has just is just willing to go to a bunch of teams so much so that like he has a tattoo <laughs> of all the different teams that he's been at, um, tattooed on his wife. Oh man, I don't know. Is there anything? Is there anyone like that? Reed, is there anyone like that in the Pac-12? Don't think so. <laughs> Dan Lanning's going to the te- Texas. Santa. I s- make it. Dion, Dion is desperate to, to get to Texas. Like, I need to say yeah, this. That's again. true. Dan Lanning has a tattoo of his wife with tattoos <laughs> that she doesn't have <laughs> tattoos within a tattoo yeah are are is Listen, incredible. never get a yeah. neck tat but always get a tattoo of your wife with a neck tat <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um all right well that's that's it for arizona colorado fun game honestly super super fun game i really enjoyed that um but arizona ends up coming away with the win and Dion ends up going to texas a&m uh let's move on to the last game we're going to talk about with any sort of depth whatsoever arizona state goes to pasadena and beats ucla 17 to 7 i don't know how much of this everyone watched but this game was the weirdest, most ridiculous, most absurd-ass football game I have ever watched. Um, the Devils did maybe the most outlandish shit that I've seen anyone on offense do. Uh, just a quick a quick recap here. Uh, not only did they have four different players attempt passes in this one, it was all by design. Um, and, and one of them was running back, starting running back Cameron Scadabo, who was taking snaps in the shotgun at least like 10 times. Um, and he actually had a completion that was a dart to Elijah Badgers for a touchdown. Um, not only that, but Jalen Conyers, their tight end, 
also took snaps in the shotgun, also like 10 times. And he also had two completions himself. Not only that, but they also ran out of a swinging gate formation at least like 15 fucking times. Like, if you don't know what a swinging gate formation is, let me let me just explain this. It's that weird-ass formation where you have, like, two offensive linemen between the hashes as well as, like, a quarterback or whatever, a, a someone who's going to take the snap. And all the other linemen and receivers are bunched out to the edge on, near the sidelines. Uh, that was not a gadget thing for Arizona State that they used once or twice. They That was, like, literally a core package in their offense. Um, and, and it was effective enough to the tune of, just 17 points at 250 yards, but it was literally more than enough to beat UCLA. Holy shit. There is so much to talk about uh, with this one. Greg, I'm going to start with you. What did you think of ASU and what they did and how they performed? I had such a good time watching that game. It was awesome. I have never loved a coach more than I loved Kelly Kenny Dillingham while watching that game because it was just like, He's 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 afraid of nothing. He's afraid of absolutely nothing. He walked into that game knowing he had nothing to lose after you after the Utah game, and that the offensive line was going to get absolutely shredded. And so he thought to himself, "I will just play without an offensive line. <laughs> <laughs> I will exclusively play against Utah, UCLA's non-defensive linemen, and then I will profit." And that's what happened. Uh, Cam Scadaboo incredible player just godlike college player he is he is everything college football should be i love him so much uh um oh, i just i can't get over how refreshing it is to see a, a coach like kenny dillingham who will try fucking anything to get his team an edge it i just had a great time watching this game yeah a fantastic perform i mean fantastic game i wa- i enjoyed watching this game as stupid as it was there's 20 this is, has to be the most the most entertaining 24 combined point game i've ever watched <laughs> i've never seen anything this much fun um arizona state uh yeah you're right greg tried literally everything and and like their offensive line decimated seven offensive linemen out and they decided to go with two offensive line and frankly the theory was what if we just like moved Leatu Latu and like put them literally to the side. Um what if we took like all of their amazing edge rushers and just like made them go over there and then we could just <laughs> play 3 on 3. And it fucking worked. Uh Chip Kelly, Deontay Lynn uh had zero answers for that. I don't know if anyone was watching the UCLA edge rushers during this one. But Leatu Latu who may have lost himself a DPOI this year for this performance. <laughs> Was like literally covering no one and st- like just standing around. Like, you know, it's like one of those things where it's like um, a quarterback is faking getting a call from someone and the defenders just kind of like look up and they're like, what's happening? And then they snap the ball, like direct snap to the running back. That was happening like every single play for UCLA every time Arizona State had the swinging gate formation. UCLA defenders had no fucking clue where to be. Leatu Latu in no man's land, like literally five yards past the line of scrimmage, but like on the edge, like near the sidelines, doing absolutely nothing, looking around, being like, where am I supposed to go right now? Completely fucking absurd. I have never seen a coach utilize that formation to get the edge rushers out. I think a smarter coach is probably like, yeah, let's just rush five like we normally do and see what happens. I don't know if like, do you then just toss it up to some offensive lineman like immediately and like, who knows, but UCLA never tried it. So we don't know. Um, Crazy stuff. Like I cannot believe 
credit to Kenny Dillingham for just putting together the most chaotic, the most ridiculous offensive uh, game plan I have ever seen a coach put together. And it, and it honestly worked. I think he sort of knew that this game was going to be like a low-scoring, ugly-ass game. And he did the things he needed. He did, it, like, if this didn't work, he would it would have been one of the biggest memes of all time. But he didn't care. Like, he had no shame. He was like, I he like did not give a single fuck about what was going to happen to him in the postgame. Uh, he just wanted to win the game. And it was... A fantastic performance, uh, like, from Kenny Dillingham. Like, the star of this game was Kenny Dillingham. And then it was Cameron Scadaboo because he had to do so goddamn much. But, Matthew Hubertson, uh, did you get to watch much of this game? No, I didn't. But I, my reaction is simply, like, man, you cannot look at what Utah just did to this team and, like, look at what UCLA did to this team and find it remotely acceptable. <laughs> like yeah. that. I was hoping, I was hoping, Matt, you were you were going to do the thing at the top where you were like, let me guess exactly how this game went. Because I don't think you could have guessed how this game went. <laughs> like, you could not, no one could have predicted what this game was going to be. So I was kind of hoping you were going to do that. <laughs> Kenny Dillingham is my manic prince. I love yeah. Kenny Dillingham. This is how I would coach football if I was a football coach. <laughs> I would do like you can't even do this in Madden like (laughs) it's not an option it's not like you can't do this in a video game like this is not video game I think we should keep eventing stuff let's keep (laughs) keep it going fantastic if I've ever needed a reason never to go to a football game again it's this I was driving home from the UW game during this and I was just getting so many fucking messages about the swinging gate formation I'm so angry I missed it. I like went back and watched it, but it's not the same when it's not live. Ugh. I'm I'm also really angry because I picked like every upset this week except this one. I was like, there's no way that ASU wins because Leatu Latu's just gonna kill them. And I was wrong. And that's really embarrassing for me. Yeah. Matthew Brisson, sorry I didn't mean to interrupt, no, but would you have anything no, else? No, that's genuinely that's all it? I have. Like I have been I've not been on the fire chip Kelly train. Like it, UCLA just this kind like generally this has just been like their program. Like it's not, I don't expect UCLA to be competing for national titles or even conference titles, frankly. Like I do think that they should be pretty much what Utah has been outside of the last two years. I don't even think Utah should have been what Utah has been out the last two years. Like it's been generally fine, but like this was, this is pretty embarrassing. This is pretty entirely and completely embarrassing. Yeah, this is the worst loss of the Chip Kelly era. It's probably the worst loss for UCLA for as long as I've been watching, just in terms of who the opponent is, how they beat them, the whole thing. Uh, let's let's move on over here to UCLA. Uh, this game is notable because, again, this might have been the performance that got Chip Kelly fired. I don't know. Uh, it's Right now it's 10.30 a.m. Pacific. Uh, I think there's a 50-50 shot. We'll get an announcement that he's gone I already told today. you. Pete Samuel tweeted it. um ucla but ucla was uh horrific here uh especially offensively they accumulated just 300 yards of total offense 117 passing yards behind colin schley probably 117 too many uh schley was also their leading rush with 51 yards off 14 carries uh their defense i guess i guess was fine when you think purely about production but they had literally again zero fucking clue how to defend arizona state um especially when it mattered most um I'm pretty sure this is the performance that's going to break the camel's back for uh, UCLA. I think this is where the Chip Kelly era ends. I don't know if they're going to keep him on for USC and he's going to have an opportunity to save his job, but not really because he's going to get canned after that game anyway. 
but you cannot lose to a team that is decimated as Arizona State. That's playing out of the seat, out of the swinging gate formation, in part out of necessity, in part because it cannot field a functioning offensive line. Like just they ran a swinging gate formation because they don't have enough linemen. That's fucking ridiculous, uh, and they lost. You 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 cannot lose to a team that's doing that, and you especially, to Matt's point, lose to a team that just got smoked by Utah 55-3 to the week prior. Um, again, easily the worst loss of the Chip Carroll era. It will certainly be the most memorable, a historically bad performance. So I'm. this is the end of the Chip Carroll era. I don't know. I'm not sure, Greg, if you had additional thoughts about UCLA's performance in this particular game, if you had additional thoughts about Chip yeah. Kelly. I mean, Chip Kelly, you are an offensive coach. Like, that is who you are. That is supposed to be your your bread and butter, right? How the fuck are you doing this against an ASU team that does not have a great defense? I know they've had some good performances. Don't give a fuck. You, as UCLA, should be able to do what Utah did to them offensively. Maybe not to the same extent, because 55 is a lot of points. But if Utah can go score 55 the week before, absolutely no excuse for how badly the offense played in this game. Just absolutely none. And what the fuck was happening with quarterbacks, like with Dante Moore and Ethan Garbers being available on an emergency basis, but like not actually being there. And then we got Chase Griffin. Is saving your job not an emergency? Yeah, seriously, like what the fuck was this? <laughs> not to him. Not <laughs> yeah. to him. I genuinely don't I think mean, he's going to be fired, though. Like, I really don't. I think he's going to retire. I'll stand by that. I think he just wants to hang out on a beach. He's, 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 I'm just going to say this right now. I feel 100% certain he is not coaching at the big, in the Big Ten next year. Oh, who said that preseason? <laughs> Was it? I'm gonna assume it's you. Otherwise, me. you wouldn't have asked that. <laughs> um, okay, but like chain restaurant chain owner like Chip Kelly in Southern California, like makes so much more sense for him, right? Like yeah, it just fits yeah, his personality yeah. so much better than football coach. Yeah, it's true. I'm not sure he wants to be coaching anymore. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, who knows? I mean, the next place we'll hire him is like Boise State. Apparently, just fired their head coach, so maybe Boise State. Hey, hey, I'd, they I'd just like fired to see new Chip Kelly at Boise State. They just fired new USC defensive coordinator. All right. Um, yeah. Andy, Wait, Andy, who just, uh, Andy Avalos is who got fired. He's very much going he coordinated to be the, USC the 2019 Oregon defense. I know. I knew that. I, I guess. Yeah. I guess. Didn't think about him for USC. It's interesting. Um, anyway, so yeah. I mean, I, I think Chip Kelly. I, I guarantee that he will not be back next year. It feels like. It doesn't even feel like, oh, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? People are trying to get it to happen. It feels like an inevitability. It feels like, okay, that was enough. Let's see when it happens is really the the bigger question. So, yeah, I mean, the Chip Kelly era is over. When it's official, I think we'll probably have to have an emergency episode. If it's official when we hang up here, I'm going to be really fucking annoyed because <laughs> we're going to have to get on. I will make someone get on with me to talk about Chip Kelly uh, getting fired and thinking about who they might go after. But this is it. This was... This was this was the thing that buried Chip Kelly. It's it's crazy to watch. Like you know, obviously I'm a, a a UCLA fan and plugged into the UCLA fan base and all this other stuff. It's very funny. Just think about like the most like the most like delusional fans that you can think of that are like, no no no, it's gonna work. It's gonna be fine. Like we've seen them all, right? Like we've like seen you. people. <laughs> uh no no, I'm talking about like positive ones, the ones who are not completely black pilled. Who by like everything. said their floor was ten uh, and two. 
Yeah. Um, but like the ones who are like, no, there's, he's going to figure it out. You just have to give him more time. Like those kinds of guys. Like Cal fans. Yeah. With like exactly like Cal fans, except like, you know, the, the even most positive ones, optimistic ones of the Cal fans, even those were like, oh, I've never asked for a UCLA coach to be fired before. But I think they should fire Jim <laughs> Kelly after this one. <laughs> it was it's bad. It's really really bad. Um, Reed, what were you gonna say? Yeah, I I just think if if you're confused about like why this happened, I think Colin Schley is one answer. But you look at what Bryson Barnes did last week, and I don't think Schley is like much worse than Barnes. I think the big thing is UCLA's offensive line is not good. Like no, it's never yeah. been good. Oh, it's never been it's never been talented. I think there's been moments where it's been performing outside of what their expectations were. Go yeah. Ahead. And he just butchered his like off season of trying to get random dudes in the portal, not recruiting, not developing from high school. You can't do that with the offensive line. And like, they're not a big enough fish to go after the six offensive linemen that go in the portal every year that actually are quality P five starters. Um, so yeah, that's, that's like the big reason to me uh that this offense was so bad yeah i mean the big the chip kelly's biggest problem his fatal flaw has and always has been roster building and roster management uh he has never put together he has never built an offensive line from scratch from you know developing freshmen none of that stuff it's always been through the transfer portal and we already know that you can't build an offensive line through the transfer portal his offensive lines were good when he had justin fry who was the offensive line coach who is now at ohio state um but outside of that they haven't really had much of a, a an impressive offensive line um and not only that but you know quarterback a great reason why they his roster building has not quite worked out um, or another ev- and the more evidence that it hasn't quite worked out DTR. I mean, d- they had to go through some really brutal times with DTR before he got good in years four and five. And they had no one developing behind him. Dad, Ethan Garbers and Ethan Garbers, clearly not a starting level quarterback uh, at UCLA. They had Dante Moore. I guess they were banking on 18 year old Dante Moore panning out. It hasn't panned out in Chip Kelly's offense. Maybe he'll pan out somewhere. Almost certainly Dante Moore is gone now. Cannot imagine a scenario in which he comes back. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's – and defense, right? Like, this is probably the best defensive roster they've had in Chip Kelly's time. Tons of tons and tons of returning production. Not all developed. A lot of it through the transfer portal. Um, and even that has – I mean, that's been much better this year. It was even okay in this game. But um, it's it's not enough. So, anyway. Chip Kelly era almost certainly coming to a close here. We'll see who they – who they end up with. All right. That's it for our talk about some of these games. Let's get to the rest of the slate rapid fire. First up, Cal beat Wazoo in a shootout 42-39, continuing Wazoo slide. The Cougs now drop six straight and are on the verge of losing out on bowl eligibility. Meanwhile, Cal keeps its bull hopes alive. They stand at four and six with a couple of winnable games left at Stanford and now maybe at dead coach UCLA. We talked about Wazoo's slide extensively last week, so let's get a thought on Cal. Avery, start us off. You like their chances to go bowling? 0-10 on Cal picks. Let's go. Cal. I think Cal's going bowling. Where's my Cal heads at? Let's go. It's let's happening. go. <laughs> Reed? Hopefully that prediction doesn't count 
uh, because then that would mean they're not going bowling based on your track record on Cal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No kidding, no kidding. Greg? Uh, yeah, the Cal Curiosity train is riding high. Reed, are my Cal stocks appreciating? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, it's not... Not up to me to decide. <laughs> all right, all right. Beth uh, Hubertson, Calco and Bolin? No. You're muted. Absolutely not. You're muted, Matt. Nice job. My pleasure. Nice job, Thank you. Way to go. No, absolutely not. Who cares? No. Who are they losing Cal to, Cal cannot have success. They can only exist in Cal Curiosity or Despair. All right? They're not going bowling. <laughs> Oh, man, but those games at Stanford, Stanford looks like shit, but it's at Stanford, so that's interesting rivalry yeah, game. Yeah, when has anybody ever stumbled against Stanford in this conference? <laughs> Surely that will happen. And, and then they get at UCLA. At UCLA, looking pretty looking pretty good for Cal, sadly. Um, Five and seven we'll ass team. Five and seven ass team. Uh, lastly here, Oregon State beat the living shit out of Stanford in Corvallis, 62 to 17. This game was over early, non-competitive. The Beavs outgained the Cardinal 598 to 324. But the story out of this were the running backs, and in particular, Damian Martinez, who had 146 carry yards of 15 carries and four rushing touchdowns. The Beavs now effectively control their destiny for a Pac-12 title berth. They just need UW to win the Apple Cup at the end of the season. Matt, let's start with you. You like Oregon State's chances to make the title game. I don't hate them. I do not hate them. I it's uh, Oregon is really, really freaking good, though. I don't know. Needed Utah to win this game. Really needed Utah to win this game. Yeah, yeah, they really did. Uh, Reed, you're a big old uh, beef hater. What did you think uh, of Oregon State? You like their chances to go to the title game? I, I liked this performance. Um, I don't think I like their chances. I think they can get one of the next two, but winning both of them seems like an uphill battle. They don't really have that signature win yet. Could be coming. Remember when they went into the Oregon game without a signature win? I do remember. <laughs> Greg, what do you like? What do you think of Oregon State's chances to make the title yeah, game? Yeah, just like Matt, I am sorry for them that Utah didn't get the job done against UW because, like you said, that Oregon game was just going to be so hard. Uh, I don't think they'll do it, but the chances are still real. Avery, like in uh, Oregon's chance, Oregon State's chances here to. Go to the title game? No, Beef pills? They have to go to Eugene, and I just I don't feel great about that one. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm ah, they have to put they get Washington in Corvallis, and then they've got to go at Oregon. The problem is Oregon's not gonna be very tested the game before. Uh they're not really gonna get the letdown spot here. So I I think ah, they're they're probably gonna go one and one, but I think they have a real chance against Oregon. Um I think the trenches, like Oregon State's line play is as good as anyone that Oregon will face. So it'll be a fun test. I think it'll be a really, really fun game. All right. Those are the two games here. Let's move on to make some game predictions. Greg, how about a pick party update? All right. Four bold predictions. Nope, I just left the tab. Okay, we're back. We're back. Um, uh, half credit for Carlos. He had Arizona State beating UCLA while scoring no offensive touchdowns. I would argue 
that the swinging swinging gate formation constitutes special, special teams. teams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and thus, Carlos was correct. <laughs> Full credit. Uh, the Caleb Williams less than three total touchdowns. Uh, that was sports with M. Doesn't fucking count. Not bold enough. I'm sorry. Nope. Um, not bold. Let's see. Oh, this is a good one from Briar. Five different QBs will play in ASU, UCLA, and two will be hurt. Well done. Well done by them. So close. <laughs> one was hurt. I don't know that there was a second one hurt. Trent Bergay, I guess, is kind of uh, limping a little it bit. Counts. It counts. All right. That yeah, was great. Arizona State had four by uh. themselves. Guaco. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, predicted a Scadaboo passing touchdown. Uh, that's on the border of not being bold enough, but I'll allow it. Oh, I don't know. That's pretty bold. <laughs> that's pretty bold. And, and he had a dime. It was a good pass. Really it was like good. covered, blanketed, like just in the perfect spot. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I think it but counts. The best prediction that we got, just incredible. Scadaboo leading passer in the ASU-UCLA game. He didn't have the most yards. He didn't have the most yards, but he had the best passer rating in that game. And so I'm counting it. Well done, Connor. Incredible prediction. Oh, my God. That game, for, man, if you made, like, a truly fucking insane prediction for that Arizona State-UCLA game, you probably hit it. Uh, there were some others that were good but didn't happen. Uh, Fernando Mendoza Heisman moment from Avery. Uh, the wild scat on 30% of snaps from Reed. I would argue that Reed. that was his Heisman moment, but okay. <laughs> um, as for picks, uh, the people who went four of six this week were Giyashai, Guac, Carlos, and Grapes. Worst were, for once per six, Sports with M, Briar, and Gary. Uh, the hardest game to pick was USC covering. Easiest to pick was Cal covering. Nice. Yeah, I can't believe Wazoo was favored in that game by yeah, any amount. They were favored pretty. What was their, uh, what was their, Cal what was, was the line? favored, but they were favored. Oh, Cal it was, a was pick favored, them, basically. Like it was Cal oh, minus one. Oh, I thought Wazoo was favored. Hmm, interesting. Matt, how about a standings update? Uh, Avery 0 for 10 on picks on Cal Ooh. picks. Uh, also 0 for 6 on week 11. Um, yeah. Holy so, shit. You know, Let's go. <laughs> going over is just as hard as going 100%. That's what they say. That's right. Uh, otherwise, once again, the point system is inequitable. The the entire pick system that we have here is just, it's inequitable, it's inappropriate, and it needs change. It, it needs radical, <laughs> radical change. Would you like to say the standings are, or do you want me to do it? No, I don't. Carlos is wasting <laughs> right, everyone. Yeah, I am it's wasting gross. absolutely everyone. I'm, it's gross and I it's terrible. I am number one at 74. Reed all the way at number two at 63. Matt and Greg tied for third at 59. And Avery bringing up the rear at 52. For someone who's bold, you're really, you're really messing up on the bold I, picks, too. I really fucked it up. <laughs> But it's okay. Standings-wise... I love reading numbers on an audio platform. This is great uh, Standings-wise, I am up two now on read. I was only up one for the longest time, but I got up two after going five and one. Uh, I'm 60 and 18. Read 58 and 20 in second place. Greg in third place at 54-24. Matt in fourth place, 51-26. And Avery at 44 and 33. Ball knower. Um, Okay, let's move on to talk about the slate, the penultimate slate of the ultimate Pac-12 season. My goodness, here we are in the stretch run. Boy, it's going to be real sad in the next couple weeks. All starts at 7.30 p.m. on Friday night. This one is for the last gasp at bowl eligibility. 4-6 Colorado travels to 4-6 Pullman to play Wazoo. Matt, who wins by what margin? Colorado wins by two scores. Uh... Yeah, 
I think I think this sets up a rumble in the Rockies for the ages. <laughs> Gregory? Yeah, I mean, it's a Friday night in Pullman, so we have two principals warring today. It's, you know, picking Wazoo at home on Friday nights, which you should always do, but also, Wazoo, you should never pick them to win right now. So I'm going to take Colorado, <laughs> and I'm going to lean on, is it six games in a row they've lost now? Yeah. Yeah, this will be yeah, the seventh. Yeah, so we're, we're leaning on Colorado here. Travis Hunter, three interceptions, I think. Yes. Goodness. Goodness. God, it it just gets uglier and uglier for Wazoo. I cannot bring myself to pick them right now either. I'll go Colorado. It could be close, uh, but I'll go Colorado. Avery? Abandoning the home team on a Friday night just feels crazy, but yeah, Washington State looks bad. I I can't picture them winning this game. I'm going to pick Colorado too. Yeah, I, I think Colorado, oh, man, Cal and Colorado are pretty good corollaries, and this game's in Pullman on Friday night. I'm really tempted to pick Wazoo, but I think I'm going to go with y'all and pick, pick Colorado here. Um, hey, do we have a, let's go to the next matchup here. Do we have a time for Utah, Utah, Arizona? 12.30 Mountain. Yeah, it's at 12.30. All right, 12.30 Mountain. Utah travels to Tucson to play Arizona in a huge ranked matchup, especially for Arizona, who's still clinging to Pac-12 title game hopes. By the way, if you're wondering, ah, Arizona at night, Arizona during the day, that can't be as scary. Arizona is actually better during the day than Uh-oh. they are at night at home uh, by a little bit. So going to be interesting. Greg, who wins by what margin? I think Utah wins, and it's a very close margin. One score game. Matthew Berson? Yeah, I also think Utah wins. I think I think Fish will do something stupid. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, <laughs> that's why one score game, Utah wins. <laughs> Big ol' honks. Reed? I'm going to go with Arizona. Um, I just like they have more options offensively. Like, if you if Utah stalls, they're just going to run out of points. Uh, and, and I think what they did in the running game last week worries me, too. So I'm going Arizona. Avery? Yeah, I'm picking Arizona. This has been a loss to me since the schedule came out. And Arizona's been playing much better than I anticipated. Yeah, Tucson is scary even when Arizona is a dog shit team. Arizona is a complete team, and I'm not sure Utah is. I'm I'm gonna go with Arizona here, uh, and I think they. I don't know that they're they're not gonna blow out Utah. Utah doesn't get blown out, but uh, except for against Oregon. But I'll you know I'll say by seven. Uh, then at one p.m., Oregon travels to Tempe to play a funky ASU team. Uh, another day game in the desert. My goodness. Uh, the master meets the apprentice. Finally, Kenny Dillingham and Dan Landing face off. Reed, any funky Who's... stuff going on here? Oh, by the way, for the for that whole home day night split, Arizona is one and a half points better during the day, but Arizona State is six and a half points better at home during the day. So a little weird, a little weird stuff here happening in the desert. Reed, any funky stuff going on here? I don't buy it. Um, I am very happy that this is a 1 p.m. kick. I don't think Arizona State's offense is good enough to keep up, um, but it'll be fun to see what Dillingham gets in his bag again with. Oregon's going to win this one by 30, probably. Avery? Give me the devils. Absolutely. <laughs> I, 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 it doesn't. It's not looking good, boys, but I'm hoping for it. I think it would be really fucking funny if Kenny Dillingham beat Dan Lanning. Um, yeah, I, I hope it happens. Matthew Berson? No, Oregon's just too good. Yeah. 
Right, Greg, right there. Uh, yeah, I think this is going to be much closer to the Utah ASU game than it will be to the UCLA ASU yeah, game. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <sighs> yes. Something is telling me that it's at least going to be funky for a little bit. I think Kenny Dillingham is willing to just do the most ridiculous shit. You ever thought, like, Kenny Dillingham is like that coach who's like, well, why don't we just, like, run a trick play doing this, this, and that? Like, couldn't we just not do that? People are like, are you fucking stupid? Why would we do that? And then they does it, and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess that kind of works. I don't know what you do with Oregon, though, because it's not like Oregon's defense is like, oh, they got elite pass rushers, so you just move them over to the side. Or they've got elite DBs, so how about you just, like, don't ever, you know, I don't know, you do some crazy shit, and you just take them out of the game. I don't know that that's possible here against Oregon. So I think Oregon wins. I think they'll win handily, but I think Arizona State's going to make this a little weird for, I'll say, quarter and a half, maybe two quarters. Uh, 12.30. Last six-day hold here. We just found out about about a bunch of these times yesterday or early this morning. A generational mid-off. I hope, is this game... UCLA travels a few miles south to play USC. Uh, is this game on the Pac-12 networks? I really hope so. <laughs> it's not, is it? It's going to be like... No, it's not. Yeah, fuck. But does anyone know the network? Probably it's on ABC. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> Put these motherfuckers on the Pac-12 network. Uh, generational uh, mid-off. Both these teams <laughs> bruised. Four losses, worse of the wear. Avery, who wins by what margin? I don't. I don't know. Well, probably USC. I think. I'm like really concerned with UCLA's quarterback situation, and at least we know USC can score points. Yeah, Matthew Bertson. So you're telling me. A team with a struggling offense is going in to play USC. <laughs> yeah. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> exactly. They're, they're going in to play the get right team of the century. Yeah. I'm picking UCLA, baby. Let's go. <laughs> Reed? I'm going to feel like such an idiot if I picked UCLA and like. It, it, it could just go hopeless so fast. With Caleb Williams, I at least will always have some hope, so I'm going USC. Yeah, I, I too am taking UCLA with that USC offensive line and, most importantly, the USC defense. I don't care who's playing quarterback for UCLA. They'll find a way to score. So, uh, yeah, yeah, give me UCLA. I feel decent about it, actually. Oh, man. Okay, can I just... Am I allowed to change my pick depending on the dead coach bump? No. No, no not so far. It pro- we have not done that. Doesn't he have a buyout, too, or something? Buyout drop in December? Yeah, the buyout drops in December, but, like, I don't know. I think it's pro- I think it's fairly normal to, like, fire a dude. Not at UCLA. Say, yeah, <laughs> yeah, not at UCLA. I think it's... But you don't think they could just be like, hey, we're relieving, we're like relieving you of your duty starting December, like, 3rd or something. You don't think they would do that? I have no I idea. Did you give someone a two weeks notice? Is that not a thing for contracts? Anyway, uh, who knows? If Chip Kelly is fired, I'm going to pick USC. Um, but if Chip Kelly gets to coach one more game here, fuck, then I'd pick UCLA. Like, I kind of, I don't know. Chip Kelly's not the, he does unravel, but it's not really like that. I guess, I guess, I uh, God, what's Man. your pick? No. Fuck, I'm picking USC. Thank you. I'm picking USC. Give me USC. <laughs> Give me USC. <laughs> At 3.30 p.m., big game. Cal travels to Palo Alto to play Stanford. This one's on the Pac-12 big Network. game. Matt, who wins by what margin? No, thank you. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> I'll be watching this game. Oh, my God. This <laughs> is you guys so don't bad. have to. <laughs> 
Go ahead, Matt. Take yeah, it. Yeah, no. What Stanford? I guess. I don't. <laughs> Greg, I'll be taking my Cal Golden Bears. Oh my goodness. Go team. Reed. Yeah, I'm definitely picking Cal as well. Uh, just have a lot more faith in them. Avery. I'm picking Stanford. Oh my goodness, it's gonna be a split. We're at two two now, right? Well, I She's want Cal to win. Cal. So. Oh We're yeah, good bed. point. Uh, I think this is bear territory. I think we've got to tell the whole damn world. This, this is bear, bear territory. territory. <laughs> you know the story. Uh, yeah, give me Cal. I think Cal's going to figure this out. It's going to be very fucking annoying. I really want Cal to just tank, but I I think they're just a little good enough. Just just as have enough redeeming things to figure this out. Although it would be very funny if Stanford How? just runs the triple option and, and wins How are you game. coming up with fantastic. one of the seven words to say about, about this game? What? <laughs> uh, most of them were reciting Cal's little uh, little chant there. Uh, at 4.30 p.m. I think, is this the latest game? Mm-hmm. Our latest yeah, game? There's not a night the, game oh, on Saturday. No, Goodness, I need a Pac-12 fourth. after dark. No, you do not, because Pac-12 games are running, dreading the Vegas Grand Prix numbers. Absolutely. Oh, that's, I forgot. Never <laughs> mind, I'll be fine. be home for the race. Come on. I'll be fine. Goodness, goodness. Uh, UW, at 4.30 p.m., UW travels to Corvallis for one final test to play Oregon State. This is now officially, with the AP poll coming out, a top 10 matchup. Oregon State is at number 10. This one's, to, this one's to determine Washington's college football playoff hopes. This one's to determine Oregon State's conference title hopes. The fate of the universe will be decided in Core Vegas. Greg, who wins and by what margin? Ooh, it's tough. It's it's very tough. Do I take the team that's better in Washington or do I lean into my Washington hate and take Oregon State? Washington's better? a favorite, so I'll get more sure points better. if I take Oregon State. Go Beavs. No, you won't. It's a two and a half but- point spread. Oh, you don't get two anything for two and a half? Spread. You do not. I nope. thought that was the threshold for an extra point. Fuck. three. Ah, fuck it. I'll take him anyway. Matthew Hubertson? Yeah, the final graveyard game will be a graveyarding. Mm-hmm. The final graveyard game in the Pac-12. Has you to think, be. You think the magic's not going to be there? Put it all on red, baby. God, I wish I could be at this game so... If there's one should game... Should I drive down yes. there? You absolutely <laughs> should go for this fucking game. I um, hate missing football, though. I really fucking hate it. What if Carlos pays Avery? for your gas money? <laughs> I mean, yeah, if not Carlos good. pays me not to do it, I'll go. gas for money. Why the fuck would I do that? Avery, <laughs> pick... I'm picking Oregon State. This is easy. Reed, big old Washington honk. Yeah, I'm going Washington. Um, oh, yeah, of course you yeah. are. That's crazy. This has been the weirdest <laughs> development this year. It's Why stupid. are you writing? It's because it's because I Reed will just do the opposite. If I if I started saying no, to Reed, air and oxygen are important for you, bro would stop breathing. No, it's because Reed wants Washington to play in the conference championship game so Oregon can beat them. That's why he's doing. No, he this. doesn't want Dan Lanning to look stupid. Is what Reed it is. is just if someone beats Washington loss. but Oregon doesn't, he will lose his fucking mind. Just lose it. I, I, um, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I just um, think Washington's the better team. I <laughs> it, it really comes down to that. I don't love Oregon State's secondary. So tired. I don't love Oregon State's defense in general. I think I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Oregon State will just run the ball all day, but uh we'll see, I guess. When is that? I think ever Oregon State before, Reed? Yeah. <laughs> 
I think Oregon State can do the Oregon, like, just salt away time and keep the ball away from Penix offense and do that really, really well. Um, it's, it's, can they do, can they, are they going to go with like just bailing out, letting Washington try to stop them seven, eight, nine yards at a time? The Arizona strategy here. Um, if they do, I think, I think maybe that might suit them better in this game because I, you're right. I don't trust their DBs. I like Katana Aladapo, but he's one guy and I still prefer, I think I would pick Roma Dunze in that one on one matchup. So, yeah. <sighs> Give me, give me Oregon State. I think they're going to figure it out. Oregon State, long history. If you go, if you're top five and you're going to Corvallis, buddy, it's scary hours for you. Absolutely scary hours. Uh, all right, that's it. That's all we got. We hope you enjoyed that. Let's get out of here. We're back on YouTube next Wednesday at this Wednesday at five PM Pacific to talk the real sport going on right now. Pac-12 basketball. Yes. If you want more football content, go check out our Patreon at NoTruckStops.com. We'll drop our preview episode on late Wednesday night or Thursday morning, taking a look at all these games we just discussed. And of course, uh, tune in uh, tune in next week for a recap of week 12, everything that happens. For now, that's Avery, that's Reed, that's Matt, that's Greg. I am Carlos. Thank you for joining us live. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you to Homefield for sponsoring this podcast. We will see you next week. And remember, there are no truck stops here. Except for an entire whole ass sport. A whole sport. I'm lonelier than a single sax on a quiet city street Things aren't always green up on the sunny side of the street And I don't mind if the sun don't shine Bloody weather suits me fine Pouring up the best wine on the boat tonight I think I'll be a superstar